Hey everybody, welcome to episode 71 of Two Views Movies Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Two Views Movies Podcast, coming to you from Kansas City, Missouri. We are a spoiler-filled podcast by two guys who love watching movies almost as much as we love arguing about them. I'm Garrett. And I'm Carson. And we are doing a retro review today. It's our first retro in quite a while. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we hit the the busy stretch of the year, right? Oscar movies coming out, movies get better starting in like September, October, and we were going to the theater a lot, which doesn't leave a lot of room for retros. Exactly. Yeah. But this is kind of an interesting retro on this go-around. A good friend of mine, Brian, he donated to the podcast, which was thank you, Brian. The first, because so far it's just been you and I donating to each other, <laughs> <laughs> donating to ourselves, and somehow creating a, a negative balance. Um, but no, Brian donated to the podcast, and as a uh, an act of, I guess, kindness in return. Thanks. Uh, thanks. Yeah. Hey, thanks for the money. But we're, we're gonna give you a task. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna give you a task. Right. <laughs> so we told Brian that because he donated to the podcast, we would like for him to pick a, a retro review for us to to go watch and go talk about. Uh, he had free reign other than you know let's not do something that we've done before right and he came up with an interesting pick Uh, he had a few interesting picks i was talking to him at work and uh he was kicking around some ideas and he was definitely going uh going for the more heady obscure uh, yeah but heady he wanted us to talk i think right like i don't think it wanted to be um something that you can just gloss over to everybody i think he wanted to almost challenge us i feel like I think he wants us to fall all over ourselves try, trying to decipher this movie. <laughs> he wants to create a bad podcast. Maybe this yes. is a genius way for Brian to <laughs> to get in the fold somehow, right? He's like, I'm going to sabotage this, but they won't know it. And he's gonna, I'm going to make him talk about a really difficult movie to discuss. <laughs> so having set that all up wonderfully, Brian gave us the task to go watch a movie from 2004 called Primer. It's about a lot, but I'll, I'll, we'll give you the letterbox description because that's what we always do. Friends and fledgling entrepreneurs invent a device in their garage which reduces the apparent mass of any object placed inside it, but they discover that it has some highly unexpected capabilities, ones that could enable them to do and to have seemingly anything they want. Taking advantage of this unique opportunity is the first challenge they face. Dealing with the consequences is the next. That tells us not what this movie so much is about. It's basically a time travel movie. Yeah, it's a it's a low-budget time travel movie but I, i'll give that description credit it's a lot of words um some of them unnecessary like do we need to know that it was trying to reduce mass no i really do, i really <laughs> no. don't think i don't even think i got that from watching the movie that it was trying to reduce mass uh it was, yeah they're they're talking about shipping things they're trying to th- make things well, way, yeah, way less i but, thought they but, were trying i thought they were trying to find practical applications of what they were trying to do but i never once heard them say like we're trying to reduce mass okay yeah either way um, I, I do kind of like that description because I feel like it keeps it vague enough to where you have a little bit more questions, which right. is just perfectly fitting for this movie. So I think I mentioned 2004, made for under $8,000. Yeah, which so, is next to nothing in the movie world. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and so, I mean, you probably have food for a week that goes over $8,000 on most movies. Right. Maybe for a day. I don't know. I mean, because you have all these people you got to feed. It's directed by Shane Carruth, which this was his debut. Um, Later, he did a movie called Upstream Color, which is even more weird than this movie. And the cast is mainly Shane Carruth and David Sullivan. There's not a lot of other people. And from what I've read, 
most of the people who worked on the film were actually in the film. That's how low budget it was. So right. paying somebody to be a camera guy or a sound guy, get him in the movie. You you're now have a speaking role. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. It, it's pretty straightforward and lean. It's an hour and 17 minutes. So it's not something that you have to set aside a whole afternoon for. I mean, I watched it twice leading up to this. Um, I watched it one and a half times. Right. Yeah. But, I think that speaks to a little bit of like how quickly it goes too, right? Because like I wouldn't watch something that's two and a half hours twice in one week, right? Right. So, right. Um, so I think the first place to start is, I guess I want to talk a little bit about the fact that it it was eight thousand dollars. I mean, if you and I were given eight thousand dollars, we could not pull off this. Movie. There's no way we could pull off a movie that good, and. Because we don't know what we're doing. Well, we don't know what we're doing, <laughs> but it was it's actually very, very well made. I mean, the guy who wrote it and directed it clearly knows what he's doing. Because there's shots that they do, there's the dialogue that they have, there's a lot of stuff there that... I, I, f- I feel like you can tell that it's a low-budget movie. It's That's pretty obvious. Right. But... Uh, but not that low. Yeah, but 7,000. And, and if, you do, if you've never made a movie before you don't know how things can add up but yeah even just the sound just the equipment to record stuff right you know it gets expensive sure i mean (laughs) our podcast equipment costs like like three hundred dollars right right and it's just basically two microphones (laughs) yeah that's not counting the fact that we already had some equipment right computers and stuff so i think i don't know that i've ever seen a better low budget movie Especially when you consider what the budget actually was. I, so, I'm amazed by the score. It's very minimalistic keyboard, but it's it's very well made. There's shots. You, you Like Blair Witch was a very, very, very low budget movie, but it's like handheld, take it around everywhere, shaky cam. You just, you just need to follow people around, right? This is actually competently made. Like the where they put the camera sometimes and how they film certain things. Like there's one scene where... They're trying to test out their machine because it's, it's behaving funny, right? And they, they're taking the uh, hole punch pieces of paper. Right. But they, they go from looking at the guys in real life to, to going behind an old school camcorder recording. It's just it's stuff like that that's so well done. It, and I just – you keep saying well done – but it's well done for $7,000. Oh, I think it's well done for well above $7,000. I mean, sure, I'm not comparing it to Scorsese and these guys. But right. I'm saying in the in the context, if you showed this movie to somebody, there's no way. I mean, they would pick up that it's low budget, but not that low budget. Yeah, I just want to make sure when you're giving your rating, are you comparing it to all movies or are you comparing it to low budget movies? Oh, no, I'm comparing it to all movies. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know how much you're taking into consideration. No, I think the seven thousand yeah. dollars. No, that's a fair question. I mean, I think I think it's hard not to take some of it into consideration because it's clearly not going to have some of that polish, and you can't expect it to have some of that polish. But I think the very first time I watched this movie, this is back in the the Netflix when I actually got DVDs in the mail. Um, I don't think I knew any of the background. Of like how low budget it was, or I mean, I mean, like you said, you can tell it's an indie, at least an indie movie, right? Right. When you watch it, for sure. But I think there's even a drastic difference between indie movies and <laughs> eight thousand dollars. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I thought it was really well made, and and you need, I think you have to have some of that background going into this movie, or at least our discussion of it, the fact that it's it's so low budget, written by one guy, and all that. So. Like you said, though, taking stripping back all of the 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 nuanced plot description that we got, it's essentially 
a time travel movie. The time they accidentally invent a time machine, right? And it, but it works in ways that no other time travel movie works. I think. Yeah, I've seen this this theory out there often whenever talking about time travel, but I've never seen a movie actually implement this. Yeah, to where it can never go back before the time machine was built. Right. And you can't go forward with it. Right. Which is an actual scientific theory, theory right. that scientists have that is like, hey, time travel might be possible, but one, it can't go back in time before it was turned on and you can never go forward in time. So I feel like this movie was trying to operate within actual principles that they had read about. Right. And I think what I had read is the director and the writer is, is an engineer. So you get a lot of technical terms and stuff thrown into this movie, which make the dialogue feel real. And I think he kind of knew, I think they knew what they were doing. Right. Right. It feels like this is really bad, but like interstellar, they brought on um, an actual astrophysicist famed one that knew all about wormholes. So they wanted to make it right. I feel like this guy, while probably not an astrophysicist, (laughs) I feel like he had at least enough of an understanding to know that, the only way to pull this movie off with this low of a budget with no effects or anything is to really rely on the principles and the theory. The theory behind it, yeah. Yeah. So essentially they, they turn on a time machine and they, they let it run. Um, and then later they can go back. They hop in the time machine you know, a day later, a couple hours later, whatever they feel like, and they go back to that, that time. Yes. And so they could relive the day and do whatever they want with that day now that they know the events. Right. So to to give some points of time, right, if they turned on the box at midnight and let it run until 6 p.m., then they can get in the box at 6 p.m. and stay in there for six hours and they come out the other side. Or actually, I don't even think they stay in there for six hours. They stay in there for a, a calculated amount of time. And they have to set an alarm and wake themselves up, and then they can get out of the box right uh, at twelve a.m. Right. So, and that it's pretty straightforward. But the trick is also that you're going to have multiple versions of yourself floating around at any given time. Yeah. So, so if I, one of the cool things that they thought of is they wait fifteen minutes before they get out of the box. You know. Because if they get out of the box immediately, then well, I thought it was they set a countdown timer to turn for the box to turn on, to turn on, right? right. right. So this is that they give themselves time to leave, yes. Uh, so you don't pop open, and then there, there, there's your other self sitting there because <laughs> that's what would happen, right? So this is the timer, right, for it to start. Excuse me, and so the first you goes away, and the other. The other you comes out without running into yourself. Right. Okay, so a normal day in this movie is Garrett and Carson go turn on the box at 8 a.m. They go off to the hotel, they chill, they hang out, they got to stay isolated because there's going to be another Garrett and Carson walking around here in a bit, and they don't want to cause any paradoxes. Right. Right. So at 5 o'clock, the Garrett and Carson that have spent all the day in the hotel, isolated from everybody else, go and get in the time machine. When they get in the time machine... They make sure and have water and supplies in there, and they set an alarm that they know exactly when to wake up based on their calculations so that when they wake up and get out of the box, it'll be 8 a.m. of that same day. So that's what Garrett and Carson do at 5 o'clock. They go get in the box, and when they wake up, they wake up at 8 a.m. that morning. So they essentially traveled back in time. So the 5 p.m. to 8 a.m. Yes, so the first Garrett and Carson... Their loop is basically go to the hotel, go to the box, and they disappear, right? Right. They're, they're kind of out of existence at that point. 
but they reappear at eight o'clock that morning and then they go off and can do stuff. They can do whatever they want during the day because uh, other Garrett and Carson are in the hotel at that same point. So the, the during the day, what ends up happening is you have a Garrett and Carson going out, doing whatever they want, watching movies, killing time, whatever. And you have another Garrett and Carson sitting in the hotel, chilling during the day. Right? That's the basics of how it all works. Right. But that would make no sense if they weren't using this to their advantage. Right. So then we add in what they actually decide to do after they figure out that this what this is doing, which is probably what anybody would do, figure out how you can get rich. Yeah. How do I make money on this? How do I yes. use information, you know, uh, for my betterment and how do I help people? Yes. Essentially is is what they use it for. Just I feel like what anybody else would use it for, either to help people or to make money. Yeah. And uh and we get both of those themes throughout this movie. Um so they Turn on the box, go read a bunch of stocks, stock stuff at the end of the day, and sequester themselves, and hop in the box and let the other use use that information and play the market. Yeah. yeah. So when they get in the box at five o'clock and come back out at eight that morning, they've gone back in time. Now they can go make their trades on the stock market because they they know what's happened for the day. Right. Right. Yeah. So I mean, it, the main the main problem with this is if they encounter themselves and make it to where they don't get back in the box at the end of the day, <laughs> then all of a sudden there's two U's. Yes. <laughs> and so if they, if they, it creates a new timeline and, and there's two U's walking around because they never got back in the box. Right. And so in the movie, they understand how their box works. Yeah. And, and there's a whole, they actually do a good job of explaining how the box works and how they figured out that it works. They do all these experiments and they talk to some people at a lab and they, they they figure out exactly how many cycles their time machine is repeating. So we kind of jumped into it, but the, the movie does give you an attempt to understand at least the main theory underpinning how they are able to do this. Right. And so, and not to get into the weeds on, on how it all works, because I spent, uh, you know, a good good hour after watching the movie, watching watching YouTube videos and reading articles on okay, what just happened? Yeah, you know, because because I lost track, and and I think that's the the major fault of this movie is they don't dumb it down for you at all, and so and and from what I read from the director, he doesn't care. He doesn't care that people don't get it. He wants people to watch it a hundred times to figure it out, and. uh and wants the discussion on it and theories on it. And so it's like, if you don't get it, that that's on you. you and, know? and let's and be so, honest, you will not get it. <laughs> right. Well, and, and I think that there's, there's easier things that the director could have done, um, like shown the original scenes of a time that they go back to. Right. And so they only talk about certain scenes. Like they talk about the party, but you don't see the party the first time. No. You, you only see the party the end time. Or when he talks to the guy in the basketball court, you don't see the first time he talks to the guy in the basketball right. court. Uh, you only see him the second time. So you you don't really get what's going on no. or that he's hearing something else in, in his earpiece because this is the first time that we as an audience have seen it. Right. And so in being as it's such a short runtime, I feel like those are two easy scenes to throw in there that would just make it all flow a little bit better. You'd, yeah. you'd be like wondering... Why is the scene in the movie of him talking to his boss while he's playing basketball, or even the party for that matter? Of how, how is this? How is this relevant? To, right, because they're right in the thick of the 
the time travel stuff, yeah. stuff right here. But uh, I think those are two easy scenes to just make it flow a little bit better. Possibly. But I think, like you said, it was a conscious choice. Yeah. I, he purposely it, left stuff out. There's, like you said, there's no anchor in this movie. Like within time travel movie to not have an anchor. Cause, uh, and I will say it's actually almost doubly worse than that. You think you have an anchor. Yeah. But you don't. Right. When you watch this movie, you think you have been watching them go through this the first time, the whole time. Yeah. And at some point that was true. And at some point it stopped being true and they don't tell you that it stopped being true until later. So then you're left going, wait, what happened 45 minutes ago? I, I thought I understood, but I don't. Yeah. And what what really got me was, so I've gone through and and in order to understand the rest of this podcast, I'm sure you're gonna have to watch the YouTube videos and the movie. Yes. Yeah. No, no (laughs) already. So, but he goes back in time to this party, um, where, he goes back in time to this party to where a guy, an ex, brings a shotgun that the main character, Aaron, disarms. Mm-hmm. And, and we only hear about this uh, by two friends talking earlier in the movie. And if something happened at that party, like he shot somebody, I would understand Aaron's motivation for spending so much time going back and forth to this party. Because all, now, instead of just disarming him, he wants the guy carrying the shotgun to be arrested. And so it's more of a permanent solution. So that it doesn't happen again. So it doesn't happen again later on. Or, yeah. This, ever. Yeah. And so he wanted a permanent solution to this guy that's carrying around the gun, obviously unstable ex-boyfriend. And to me, that, the weight of that wasn't, wasn't enough for him to spend so much time going back to this party where had he shot somebody, you know, and somebody got hurt or something along the lines, that would have made a lot more sense of why he would spend so much time doing right. this event over and in the the videos that that I watched of him going back to the party, he would have had to have multiple hymns throughout every time he went back to this party. And so there'd be like ten hymns at this party, scouting about what happened. Oh, I I didn't think I thought there was only ever one of him at the party at any given time. I just thought that he had found a way to like report back, like what happened and how to get better at it each time. Oh, see, I, I took it as he was doing it each time, getting better at it. And so... Well, yeah, it, but, it, it, but there's it was, only it, ever one there. I didn't get the impression that there's ever 10 people, 10 errands at one party. Well, because if he didn't do it that way, then he had to disappear. Right. I, I just, I don't think the movie presents itself in any way where there's ever multiple errands at the party. I think it's always just it one. D- it doesn't present that. But, I don't think but, that's but the what way happened. That, it was talking about it. I was like, well, we're, he's like running into all the other errands. Yeah, I don't. Somehow. I didn't get the impression that that was happening. I think because he, he starts feeding his old self information through recordings. Right. So, and he talks about how he had to go back and perfect the party, what happened at the party each time. But I don't think that's, that means that there's multiple errands there at the party. Well, That'd be too risky. Yeah, but he's also, again, the way, the way that it was set up, Thank you, Brian. By the way, <laughs> for for this, uh, we're going we're going back through it. And again, I'm not trying to get to get into this so much, but it just I'll just leave with the motivations for him to to spend so much time on this yeah. party was not there. Sure, it was not strong enough for me to believe that he was doing that. Right, and I think that when I read up about the movie, there's questions as to whether or not 
the original Aaron was ever at that party. So it's almost like some people think, and I don't, I haven't quite pieced through this yet, but some people think that something bad happened at the party when the original Aaron was never there and only Aaron two and subsequent ever went to the party to stop him because Abe, who's Aaron's best friend, who they is the other guy who built the the time machine. Abe makes a comment of like, I can't believe you went and risked your life to stop that guy with the shotgun. That's totally not like you, blah, blah, blah. And so some people take Which that. Would ma- it would make sense if that was the case. Yeah. yeah. And so some people take that to be that that must have been Aaron too, because Aaron too knows that he doesn't have that, that, that family is not his and <laughs> it's yeah. already hurting my head. But yeah, <laughs> safe to say, yeah, I agree with you that if, and the movie doesn't present this, and I, I tried looking for it the second time about how that party really comes into play. And I agree with you that if it really is just that he wants that guy put away so nothing can ever happen again, yes, you could make that plot point a lot stronger by having somebody have actually died or been shot or something to make it worthwhile going back that many times. Because I even even knowing that theory and watching it the second time, I did not pick up on the fact clearly of whether original Aaron ever went to that party or not. And I, I think it has more to do with how people apply the theory of, it's almost like the only way you could know that is by under thinking you understand all these other things that happen timelines and then tracing it back all the way. And then realizing that if this is the plot line or timelines (laughs) that you believe in and you trace it all the way back and it gets you to a point where Aaron could not have been at that original party for whatever reason. Okay. Yeah, but I I'm still not convinced that anybody fully understands the movie. You know all, all these YouTube movies that are out there, right. <laughs> all the video diagrams of timelines. I I don't know that anybody has like the definitive answer. Yeah, answer. And and the directors never come out and said, "Here's exactly what happens." Yeah, because that would ruin all, all right. of the discussion on it. And but I yeah. mean, it has been also a lot. I mean, but here we are, you know, yeah, 14, fourteen years, years later, later yeah. talking about it. it it's it's a very challenging movie from trying to figure out what happened. It's basically a puzzle. It's like watching an hour and 17 minute puzzle. It's less just in movie form. I've never had a movie like this where I've been like, what in the hell is going on? And a lot of that is the exposition at the end of the, the narrator over the end scenes, you know, all of a sudden giving you huge plot points. Yes. You know, and walking you through and you're like, wait, what? what right what did he just say there's there's another box inside the box you know and 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 that's where things get crazy yeah but but they don't they don't really show any of that no they they just basically word vomited the last 20 minutes of the movie of here's what's really been happening and and, yes and and no it's kind of like wait hold on but they show you a little bit too right because he's the narration you're getting is one of the errands leaving a message for the other errand and then you realize that the Aaron who's had the headphones in the whole time has been listening to future Aaron, give him information about what's about to happen. So right. it's not just like somebody sitting at a table and being like, Hey, here's everything that happened. It's yes, it is exposition, but it's not it's, like searching. Yeah. <laughs> it's in an, it's in a narration form over and you are getting scenes that are happening. So it's still, which is, which I think is actually more confusing because I'm you're trying to watch the scenes and understand what's happening in the scenes. Then you have the narrator over, and then you also have him listening to yeah. a recording at the same time, right. you know, of himself. So you got three of his voices right. going on, you know, interchangeably. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of Inception-y before Inception was even a thing. Because instead of dreams inside of dreams, you're getting timelines inside of timelines. Because the minute he brings that 
other box back inside the other box, that would open up. I, I haven't even been able to wrap my head around that just yet. Because, I mean, I get the idea that you could do that. But then, like, you, some people were saying that that would allow you to go back as far in time as you wanted. I'm still not no, sure I believe that. I, I think the box still works the same way. Yeah, it's just I have a hard enough time understanding it without the box inside the box. <laughs> the box inside the box, yeah. But, yeah. The collapsible so, box where you could build another time machine earlier. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, the one thing that we left out about this is they end up figuring out I shouldn't say figuring out, but it, it's revealed at some point that even though they were experimenting and trying to figure this stuff out and doing just like daily jumps and stuff, that Aaron's friend Abe, his partner, had set up a failsafe that he turned on the very first time that he was going to try this experiment. Because he, we also didn't say this, Abe did this on his own one time without Aaron knowing about it. Right. And so things get kind of revealed, but there's a failsafe that Abe started the very first time he went to do this, which means, again, he, he had the forethought to think that if I can only go back as far as the machine's been on, I better start one of these machines right now and leave it untouched. Right. So, so that if always... something goes wrong, I can go all the way back to the start and we'll be good. And undo it. Yeah. And undo it. And there's also you know the plot reveal later that Aaron discovers Finds the that failsafe box. and he has his own failsafe. Uh, it's yeah. so... <laughs> it, it hurts my head, but it's it hurts my head in a good way. Like I like trying to solve the movie because it's it's genuinely I think it's fun for me. Yeah, and in my one of my issues, which I know they talk about the lottery, but yeah, their reasoning for not doing it makes no sense to me. Yeah, what did he say about that? I had written it, something down. It's like, oh well, you can't live, you know, on that for the rest of your life. I it, think he was saying that one they could make as much as that lotto. As much as the lottery in one good trade. Yeah. Um, but why not do the lottery? Because there's less questions, less work. You just know the numbers. Well, they, nobody would question gonna... trades. Uh, yeah, the SEC does. If well, all of a sudden these two guys come out of nowhere and start making, you know, half a billion dollars and <laughs> of money. They, but yeah, they wouldn't the, find anything. <laughs> they wouldn't find anything of, how did you know to... To, to to do this and even your seed money, you know. Yeah, they would search your emails, phones. They don't have any. It's true, but it's unnecessary when no. you can just have the numbers and then bam, you have you won the won the Powerball. Sure. But that's, that's, just, that's like that's so much easier. <laughs> and then you can invest that money along the way if you want after you won the Powerball. But that's also not a crucial plot point by any means. Well, that's the reason why they keep going back and doing this every day just to pick trades. Well, they would have they, they did would, that all week. They would have to done do that. They were going to be going back and back nonstop anyways because they were trying to figure out an experiment and do all this stuff so whether they went back they, they would have either done the lottery every day if they could or I mean, they wanted to make more money so they were going to go back and forth in time no matter what yeah. so, so if they do won, lottery first and then you can invest that money and then people are like okay well these guys are millionaires yeah Invested. but i mean what i'm saying is that's not a crucial plot point it's not like by changing the fact that they did day trading versus lottery i mean that's that's well it was because that's what they're doing every day. They did that Monday through Friday. Well, that's what they did. But I'm saying from the movie standpoint, that's not it's not a crux of the plot by any means. It's just some, to give them something to do during the day while they're waiting to go time travel. Yeah. Because my but but, that, but that's the purpose of their time travel. They're not doing anything else with their time travel. I think travel. that I think that's a shallow read. I think they are very interested in the idea of time travel and doing those things, but they want to do it in a way they want to get rich while they do it. So if they had won the lottery the first day, it's not like they can go back and win it again. I mean, you could, you could right, win you go it. back to Tuesday. Cause well, that's what they were doing. So they, they went back and then they, they started again the next morning and redid Tuesday. 
Right. But what I'm saying is the and lottery isn't Wednesday, the lottery isn't something that you could win every day, but then you would start to look suspicious. Yeah, you don't need to. You just day. need to win it once. Well, no, but that's what they said. You win it once and you get like $700,000 is like the term that they threw out or whatever. And they said, but we can make that much on one trade in one day. So what I'm saying is, one, I, I get your point. Yeah, you could win a lottery, but if you're going to go back multiple days anyways because you want to amass a lot of wealth, you're not going to be able to win the lottery every day, so you have to find a way that sure. something you, you can do, do every day. You just do that first right. is, is my argument. But then my other point is that like <laughs> that's not really relevant to the rest of the plot. I mean, the Sure. Movie... I just think if you're going to do it, win the lottery first and then invest your money. <laughs> of all the things to pick out in this movie that is overly complex, I would not say that their means of funding are what anybody should focus on. <laughs> No, but that was an issue that I had. <laughs> okay. So so have you heard this theory? Because I read about this a while back. Um, it's another real-time travel theory, and one that I, I don't know why. I found it to be hilarious, and I can't I can't ever find it again. I think I read it in like the, a cracked article like 10 years ago or something. <laughs> but it ties in perfectly with this one because if you believe that you can only go back as far as when the time machine is turned on, there's a theory that says the the reason why we know time travel hasn't been invented yet is because the minute you flip on the time machine for the first time, an inordinate amount of future humans just show up immediately because inevitably humans are going to die or the planet's going to fall apart or whatever, and they're going to have to have a means of restarting. restarting. Yeah. And they would always go back. Now, they may not go all the way back but at some point enough things would happen where people would start going back to the very beginning so we know that hasn't happened yet because the minute you that the funny thing about it was the idea that like you figure out how to do time travel and you turn the box on and as soon as that happens you just have like a million people they're just there just show up you're like what so (laughs) one i think it's a funny theory and two i think it's it makes sense yeah yeah at some point that would happen. Right. Yeah. And, and the same would be true in this movie, right? Like if, if they started to release their time travel plans and the boxes and everything, and they always kept a fail safe going at some point, that the minute that first fail safe turned on a few minutes after that, cause then you had to have other boxes built. Right. But in, yes, in theory, if you didn't set that fail safe to have a lead timer or anything, the minute that thing turns on, you would have people, or at least a person, I guess this is only a box-sized, or right. a person-sized box, so that would be one reason why you couldn't do that. that but, that's what I was saying, like, 30 minutes later, because yeah. you could build boxes. And <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but anyways, I thought that theory was, was a good one. Man, I don't know. Th- this movie is such a hard one to talk about. I think we've we've probably exhausted all of the plot that we probably could, right? I mean... I think that makes any sense for us to talk about here without illustrations i think illustrations are yeah. crucial to understanding what's going on yeah and again if you meet anybody who says that they understood this the first time that they watched it they're either uh not right or they're <laughs> lying or a combination of those two to to under to be honest even watching it without the assistance of uh, articles or YouTube videos. I still think watching it twice, you still have no clue what's no. going on. You, you, I still think you can hear it all, yeah, and understand it all of, of what just happened. I think, and, as with any movie, I think you pick up on more. But truly, it's a movie that you've got to go out on the internet and just start reading about it and sorting out what people think has been happening, and then you can watch it again. And you get a little bit more, but maybe not as much. I, 
I would love to just hear. I'd love to hear the director talk about it for like, you know, an eight hour session. Just here's what I thought. Here's what I intended it to be. Because I actually think you would have people that would, would dispute him. Be like, I know that's what you were going for, but the what your movie, which is probably why, he has yeah, it. <laughs> what your movie posits is that this could happen, which means this happened and not this. And he could be like, yeah, I guess so. I mean, I don't know. Well, I, to be, to be honest, if I were him. I would not one for the again the discussion that's still going on. Sure, you know people making videos and, and talking about it. But but two for for that that point of this is what I intended. Well, you're wrong because oh you know you're right. Yeah, <laughs> you know? and then, right. And it's like okay, well even even the guy who made it doesn't know what's going on. Right. So it's best for his sake just to keep keep quiet about it and just let this be, go down into into history. Yeah, and I mean it has kind of a cult following. There's a lot of people who have you know, who rave about this movie and say that it's one of the best time travel movies, one of the most realistic time travel movies. And it's anytime you search for, cause I've done this. Um, I'll go search for like mind bending movies or movies that make you think or yeah. stuff like that. And you know, you'll get the kind of matrix and inception and those look like child's play compared to this movie. Right. I mean, you and I could literally take a whiteboard and just fill it all up with what we think happens in this movie and probably be completely wrong. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that alone is the appeal to this movie. Yes, uh, of being able to think and discuss and and try to work through it. So if you don't like that sort of thing, you are not going to like this movie. Yeah. If you want to, okay, I'm going to devote an hour and seventeen minutes to this movie and then forget about it forever. You're going to hate it. Yeah. You know, but if it's one that if you're you're like us that yeah. we like to dive into that sort of thing, um, then you're going to enjoy it a whole lot more than. Yep. Then uh, the casual moviegoer. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, I I actually want to watch it again now after we've been after talking we've about because I feel like it's just like I don't want that movie to get the best of me. Like I feel I will beat you. I feel like I can. I feel like <laughs> but I'm, you have no vindication of it. <laughs> no. I feel like I am smart enough to solve it. I agree. I, I think so too. But it just takes so much time and effort, and you you can't do it all in your head. Like. It's a math problem that cannot be done in your head. You have to start writing things out and start right. mapping it all out and figuring out where things happen. Because where did I leave that guy? You know? Yeah. <laughs> and, and you almost need, like, somebody else to watch it with, right? To bounce off, like, am I understanding this right? Is this what we're doing? But, yeah. I mean, part of me, like... Stop it. Rewind it. Where do yes. we go now? <laughs> right. Part of me would love to get, like, a giant wall-sized whiteboard and just get me and you in a room and be like, all right, here's what we're doing today. All day is primer. Movie starts right here. Yeah. Here's where we are. Here's our first timeline. Yes. Yeah. Now go and let's see what we come up with. Because it wasn't I, our first timeline. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Erase it all. Start again. Because even when you read, <laughs> did this happen to you when you read stuff online? Like I would start to follow along and then like I'd be like, oh, oh no, I don't follow it anymore. I'm lost. And it usually is always the box in a box. That's yeah. where my brain starts to be like, no. No, we can't well, do it. And, and their names are so similar. I, I've got them now, but yeah. I was reading about it in Abe and Aaron. Yeah. They're like, did you really have to do that? And I was like, wait, Aaron's box. Aaron 2's box now. Aaron's box in a box. Right. You know, and then Abe's fail-safe box. Well, and, and then, I, <laughs> I took that to be that. So when they give you the 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 diagram, they do the A and the B loop when they're explaining the timeline. Yeah. So I figured AA, Aaron, AB, Abe. I felt like there was some kind of symbology in oh, there with no, that. No. Yeah. Well, that's what I thought. 
I just thought it A and B because yeah, yeah. Do you think people think we're idiots for saying symbology all the time on the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I did like that in strategery. Yeah, you know, strategery is a little bit more common because feral as W really. I mean, everybody. Yeah, but that, that was twenty years ago. Well, sure, we're dating ourselves, but. I mean, how many people? Uh, but, are, I, but, but things like that, I do that all the yeah. time. They think that he doesn't know how to say symbolism, right. or, or he thinks symbology is a word. Right. That's from Boondock Saints. Yes, Willem <laughs> Dafoe and Boondock Saints. That's a movie quote that I'm not sure. <laughs> well, I guess he doesn't. He corrects the. No, he corrects uh, the, uh, the, cop. the cop. Yeah. All right. <laughs> all right. So I don't. I want to talk about this movie for hours and hours, but it would be the worst podcast in the history of the world. It probably already is right now. <laughs> I mean, yeah. If we go back and listen, it's like, I don't even know what we're talking about. No, I don't. Yeah. But, you know, I think people that have seen the movie could probably sympathize with a yes. couple of guys trying to talk primer on Correct. the podcast. Correct. All right. So let's get into We've it. We've already been yelled at like three times. No, that was wrong. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> That's not what happened. I know. This is going to be a pain to edit because I know we stopped and started, especially on the times. Yeah. That was not good. Yeah. All right. So what did you rate it and why? I ended up giving it a three and a half. Uh, I really enjoyed the um, the concept of it and the way that I'm, tr- again, trying to figure it out. Uh, it is a $7,000 movie. Yeah. You know, so it it feels like a seven, it feels like a low budget movie. Um, and so that's why I didn't get higher than that. And yeah. then just the, the coherence of it all, it, it could have added a few more things to make it easier to understand at least what he was telling us not the whole thing but what he was narrating over yeah. we could have seen some of those scenes and that would have been a little bit easier to grasp of what was going on yeah so that's why i got three three and a half for me okay what about you uh i'm at a four and it's i mean i think we're just splitting hairs here i think you and i probably feel the exact same way about the movie i just I like movies that make me think. I can probably count on, you know, off the top of my head, a few movies where I left the theater or watching it and been like, man, I really need to kind of think about this one. Like the prestige was one of them where yeah. I needed to really think about it afterwards. Um, Inception. I feel like I got a little bit clearer um, the matrix a little bit, but the, this movie isn't even in the same realm as those movies. Well, the matrix was a great concept, but, you figure it out while you're sitting there right. in the movie. But even you afterwards, know, you, might, you might think about, okay, what was reality? What wasn't? You know, you, you Am th- I in the Matrix right now? <laughs> <laughs> it, it may not have been not solvable, but it made you think. Right. Uh, this one is both not solvable and makes you think. And I, like I said, I, I enjoyed it as a movie. I thought it was really well made for the budget. But anytime you can get me to watch a movie twice in a week, and still think about it and feel like I'm challenged, then yeah, that's, that's high praise. So four for me. Cool. So what was your favorite moment? Uh, the reveal that what Aaron was listening to in his headphones, right? Because to me, that was where I was saying that you thought you had an anchor point. Like they were all on the same page kind of until that point in the movie, because that's when Abe tells him I, I need to go show you something. And he finds out that they've done time travel, but then they rip the, carpet out from underneath you later because my interpretation is that that's Aaron sitting there listening to himself the whole time so what you thought was your anchor is gone and that's when I was really like oh where are we going yeah. so that was my favorite moment how about yours uh, I didn't really have a, a favorite moment beyond the concept I mean I really like the concept and so I guess when you saw Abe for the first time uh, Abe 2 oh yeah when he's walking yeah. that's then, a good moment because then we know it's a time travel movie right uh, we didn't really know that beforehand uh, we, we, they had 
We they talked about moss you. and it was aging and then they were bouncing back and but it is definitely not clear that it's a time travel movie until you see it. Sure. I mean, they're giving you the theory in that scene that they know that this little egg that they put in there has time traveled or time has elapsed a lot in there. Yeah. But you, you don't did it know. speed forward or, or what's going on? Yeah. And you certainly don't know that it's capable of humans going through it until, well, yeah. we, until you see Aaron, or Abe. Yeah. You knew there was some travel. Yeah. Something was going on there. But when you see... Abe two walking around, and that he knows that Abe two is walking around. Yeah, it's like that. That obviously changes the movie, right? You know, and then you're okay. I'm on board now because there was a lot of analytical talk, and and they, again, they don't dumb it down for you at all. So if you're trying to yeah to follow their physics speak, you know, through yeah. the first half of the movie, uh, that's that's when it really brings the audience on board. So I have to pick one. I guess it's it's that. All right. So what's one thing you would change? You know, I only gave this movie four stars, but I don't think I would change anything. Uh, uh, Normally, I think you'd only say that about a five-star movie, but I like everything about it. Um, You know, the four stars is because it is kind of rudimentary. You know, you're going to get that with a seven or $8,000 movie, but I don't know that I want to change anything. I like that it's an unsolvable problem, and I feel like anything that I might do to change stuff would just add more clarity, and I kind of like the vagueness of this movie. So would you like to see this remade? No. No? No. If if only to share with a wider audience? No, because I don't think that's the kind of movie that deserves to be shared with a wider audience. Not, not necessarily remade, but same concept. No. I get Oh, I mean, so just take the uh, take the, their, their the, time travel theory and their put time it in, travel a in a blockbuster movie? Sure. All right. I mean, yeah, sure. I don't care about that. I'm just saying. Because then you're going to say, oh, this is Primer. No matter what the underlying well, plot is. I mean, is. true. Usually the first movie that goes to do it gets credit for whatever that is. I mean, it's a scientific theory, so any, there's no claim to fame on it or anything like that, or claim to ownership, I should say. But I would not want anybody to remake this movie because I feel like this movie, for what it did and the challenges it presents, deserves to be the one that's seen. If you if you want a more digestible version of it, don't ask for this movie. Don't remake this movie. This This should be... I, I get, it, again, it's more more the concept of what I'm. Yeah, the concept. Yeah, I mean, I mean, some form of time travel's probably been put in every movie. I'm sure there's a movie out there that already has Primer's theory of time travel in it somehow. I would is, think. Is there? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would. Uh, the thing that I would change would be the co- again the coherence yeah. of really the end of again adding those scenes in to just make it flow better. Yeah, um, that's what I would. That's what I'd do there. All right. So we can probably skip over how we watch it, because the only way you're going to watch it is by finding it online or streaming it, something right. like that. Popcorn movie or art house film? Um, I put popcorn, but I'm thinking this is... Yeah. <laughs> this isn't more of an art house film. I'm guessing I I must have skipped that, because I, I would definitely say art house from the sense of it doesn't have that artistic sheen to it, but it certainly has the art house approach of... I don't I, care what you think. This is my movie. This is my movie. Yeah. I'm making it how I want, and I'm going to leave things out for you to figure out. Right. No, I, I agree. It, okay. Yep. Yeah, I don't know why I put popcorn. Yeah. Oscar or Razzie? Um, more Oscar, I guess, screenplay? Sure. If if that's what you give credit to for this? Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's unique. I mean, for I'm, not, sure. I'm not giving... Yeah. I mean, acting, no, and directing, eh. But no, yeah. I agree with you. It, it's... The ratio of money spent to quality of film <laughs> gets it an Oscar. 
They, they have that Oscar. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. So if you liked what, you would like this movie. Uh, and and I, I know that you, you picked the same one that I did because I think it, it closely compares to everything across the board. From, yeah. From budget to concept to not not that concept, but weird paradoxal concepts right. and coherence. Yep. That's a movie that you recommended that I watched about a year ago. Yeah, that sounds about right. And uh, it's really good. It's, uh, you know... <laughs> not going to go yeah. into trying to explain that one either, but uh, it, it's like this. Yeah. Of um, Again, if you Google, and I think that's actually how I found Coherence, was like mind-bending movies or twist endings or whatever, Coherence showed up, and it's uh, it's good. It's definitely worth worth a watch, definitely low budget, mm-hmm. um, shot in a house. Yeah, it goes up and down the street a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> you go right outside said yeah. house, right? Uh, but it's a really cool concept uh, of everything they do there too. So that that's yeah, but yeah, yeah, you wrote it first in your notes, and I'm like, that's uh, that's spot on. Yeah, I think you know retros are weird because we assume most people have probably already seen them. So this is probably more of like a recommendation, right? Like yeah. if, if you've seen Primer somehow and you're listening to this and you haven't seen Coherence, go see Coherence. Go see Coherence if you liked Primer because it, it's right in that same same vein it's more easy to understand than primer i think but it's still a head scratcher yeah so if you watch primer yesterday then you can go see coherence sometime yeah. in a different dimension yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right well that does it for primer thank you brian for the the idea i definitely it was worth a revisit i hadn't seen it in probably 10 years so i'm, I'm glad i did and i'd never heard of it so i appreciate it yeah, yeah. I, I could have sworn you'd seen it maybe it was one of our other friends uh andy who had who has seen it that guy yeah yeah you know who i'd like to have see this movie is that Falk. yep he doesn't listen to this but he would be somebody i'd want whiteboarding with me this is a movie that he could he could tackle like your head like your head's at <laughs> alright well as usual check us out at twoviewsmovies.com go to the podcast stores and not only leave us a rating but hit subscribe that way you get all the new episodes downloaded to your phone right away I think that's it catch you next time